This is the Humans of Gaming Podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief. Hello and welcome to Humans of Gaming. I'm your host, Drew Dixon. I am the chief content nerd of Love Thy Nerd. I have a very special guest with me. It's Chris Gwaltney. Hey, Chris. Hi. I'm Chris. I'm the chief executive nerd for Love Thy Nerd. And normally I'm a co-host for this podcast, but today... Not today. Today. Not today. You are not a host. All right. I'm I've ready. dethroned you. Uh, no. Uh, so what we're actually doing today is... We this is accomplishing a few things, but um, we were just thinking about how we interview all these really interesting, awesome people on this show, and uh, maybe because we're trying to be good hosts, we don't talk about ourselves a ton. I mean, I know we do some, but we thought it, it might be helpful for you guys to get to know us as the hosts of this podcast and as um, the awesome, interesting people that we are. That's right. Well-rounded, nuanced, uh, intelligent, handsome mm. mm-hmm. human beings. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that are the masterminds behind this year podcast. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so what we're going to do is we're going to do a couple episodes. I'm not sure exactly when they'll launch, but this one will, will, will be first, but, uh, we'll do one with me as well, but I'm going to interview Chris and kind of do what we do on this show. Uh, but with Chris so that you can get to know him. And then I think eventually Chris will do the same with me. And uh, hopefully you'll get to know us a little bit and maybe you'll find this interesting. Um, And also I think, you know, just to be honest with our listeners, um, it's hard to do a show like this where we are constantly having to uh, hunt people down and email them and schedule things. And it's just, it's just tough. And we both have other jobs uh, and families and, and, church and all kinds of things that we're pretty involved in. And so this will give us a little breather too, to not have to worry about that for a week. Uh, The old Um, punt. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, but I really, honestly, I'm pretty excited. It is a good idea. I forget whose idea it was. I'm pretty sure it was my idea. No, I don't know. You're probably right. But, uh, but I, you know, I'm excited because actually, um, I'm going to pretend like I don't know some things about you, but honestly, Ooh. I have a lot of questions. I mean, I, I think it'll be more interesting if I if I go from that direction. But we've known each other a while. We're we're close friends. I think yeah. I would say. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of things about like your life and your background and your story that I don't know. So it'll be interesting I'm and ready. fun for me. I have a Sweet. stupid grin on my face right now. <laughs> this will be fun. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, you're the chief executive nerd yeah i love thy nerd yeah how did you get involved in like nerd culture ministry stuff nerd culture whatever it is that we do stuff (laughs) um man well i kind of uh this was probably i don't know seven seven or so years ago what year is it right now 2019 so it's probably like 2012 or 2013 um i was working at a church at the time and was kind of just feeling this this pull and this transition to be done with that and start moving towards reaching nerds, you know, my people, people that I've identified with for forever. I mean, since I was 
super young. And so I ended up finding out about this organization called Game Church, um, got involved with them, ended up moving. I was in Arizona at the time. I moved to California to work with Game Church. And that's actually how I met you, Drew. Yeah. Um, because you were already working with Game Church. You were um, doing the website, you were editing for the website and writing for the website. And so we met through that. And yeah, I worked with Game Church for five, five ish years. And then we left that, you know, you and I and some other folks uh, to start this Love Thy Nerd. And we've been doing that for a little over a year now. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you've kind of always thought of yourself as a nerd. It's interesting. Like I was talking to somebody this week who was like, I don't, I don't receive that. <laughs> like, it's like, I'm a geek. I'm not a nerd. Oh, yeah. Um, but I don't see it. Like some people, I don't know. Uh, somebody said this to us. Maybe it was when we were at that conference a couple weeks or, you know, uh, yeah. that youth conference, you and I, and I think somebody uh-huh. was at the booth. Maybe you were standing there and we're talking about the same person. Um, yeah. But there was somebody that said something like, I love how you guys are using the word nerd and you're like reclaiming it or like you're right. trying to make it like a good thing, you know, because mm-hmm. I think there are people that they probably have a lot of hurt associated with that word. I don't. Um, yeah. But anyway. Well, yeah, this was going to ask you, like, how big of a nerd <laughs> were you growing up? Like, I know you were uh, a gamer and stuff, but like, yeah. Yeah, how how deep does the rabbit hole go? I've kind of dabbled in almost everything. Um, I mean, it started out with like a NES from my grandparents when I was like four or five, much to the chagrin of my parents. Yeah, uh, they were not fans and <laughs> still aren't. But, like mostly because they thought you were probably like wasting your time. Oh, totally. or, like, yeah, my parents are super hardworking. Like they have an incredible work ethic. And yeah, they just saw it as a waste of time. Like there's, there's more productive things you could be doing than yeah. sitting there. Which they're not wrong. Rotting your brain cells. <laughs> yeah. Um, Although like, I think games can be productive. That's a whole nother conversation. Right. But, but, but it wasn't coming from a place of malice necessarily. Right. Or like, or like, I uh, mean, it was always a point of contention, like always yeah. my entire yeah, yeah. upbringing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it started started then, and you know, I remember like I had the gold Zelda cartridge, like the first Zelda game. Oh yeah. Um, you know, played Mario. I really loved Mario Two. No one ever really talks about Mario Two for the NES. Yeah, it's like kind of anathema to a lot of people, yeah, but I liked it. Um, I think it's only because, like, looking back, we realize some of the other Mario games were better. But at the time, a lot of us were just like, oh, sweet, a new Mario game. Totally. Like, so yeah. I think like hindsight is twenty twenty, and we like to think that we had this like exalted or, um, <laughs> or like yeah. sophisticated uh, palette for games yeah. <laughs> that we didn't really have. I liked it. Anyway, um, I, liked I it remember too. my first like RPG was, I don't remember which one it was. It was one of the Dragon Warrior games. For yeah. NES, but I mm-hmm. want to say it was one I of the later. From Blockbuster. Yeah, I want. That's exactly. I rented it f- not from Blockbuster, some local mom and pop place. Um, I think it was the fourth one though. Yeah, because it was one of the later. I think it was one of the later entries, so it was a little more <laughs> quote sophisticated unquote um, for the time. But that was my first RPG, and that like that hooked me. 
And yeah. so from there, I went to like Sega Genesis, which is one of my few regrets in life and that I didn't <laughs> get a Super Nintendo. I remember I like because my parents were totally against video games. So like I bought yeah. everything myself. And so yeah. I put a Sega Genesis on layaway at I don't remember Walmart or somewhere and I would pay my allowance on it, you know, every week or month yeah. or whatever. And, you know, took me 10 weeks or however long to to finally get it. Um, That's great. So, yeah, I did Sega. I mean, Shining Force was a huge, like, I was obsessed with Shining Force on Sega. Um, it's kind of like a poor man's Fire Emblem, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then from there, went PlayStation. Pretty much been PlayStation ever since. Uh, somewhere along the way in there, I uh, made friends with some people. And they played D and D, and so they introduced me to D and D. I think probably summer before eighth grade or so. Yeah, and so I started playing Dungeons and Dragons. Got in trouble with my parents because I thought I was like worshiping the devil. Uh, even <laughs> yeah, though well, you've told this, this I think story I've told this story before, before yeah. but it's pretty great. So, so like I'll I'll give it another go for anybody that didn't hear it. If you have heard it, just skip forward like three minutes or something. Um. So yeah, I started playing and I was kind of doing it in secret because I knew my parents would probably freak out about it. Interestingly enough, like I I wasn't raised like in a religious home or anything. Like my parents aren't really Christian or anything like that. But I think they just bought into that weird fear about D and D for whatever reason. Yeah. Um. You know, I grew up in Indiana, so like it's interesting of, how like prevalent that is yeah, even outside. Even like. Like kind of conservative, yeah. and I don't think it has the same influence now as it used to. But oh, like no. conservative kind of Christianity used to really like. Yeah. So a lot of their fears trickled down into other parts of yeah. of, of the world. When I grew up in the Midwest, so conservatism is pretty dominant there, yeah. uh, at least where I was. So yeah, for sure it kind of trickled down. So I kind of you know I hid it from them. I wasn't like telling them what I was doing. Just hey, I'm going to hang out with friends or whatever. And so one day we were at the library, my friends and I, and we had rented out like a study room to like play D and D and somehow my parents found out and my brother, like who's older and drove, uh, he stormed into the study room and he's like, we got to go right now. Like mom and dad want you home right now. And I'm like, Oh, was he like against your D and D? No, I don't think he cared. He was probably more just annoyed that he had to come get me. Uh, (laughs) He didn't really care. So he took me home, you know, my parents lectured me and, you know, forbid me from playing ever again. And I was obviously like upset. And for whatever reason, I mean, call it like divine intervention or a word from the Lord. I don't know, but I just had this idea of like, okay, okay, let us play here at my at our house so you can watch what it's like cuz i was telling them like it's just make believe like it's just you know rolling dice and pencils yeah. and paper like we're not you know drawing pentagrams and having séances or anything and yeah so yeah, like yeah i know it's a, gate, it's a gateway um so they agreed and so the next session we played at my house and it probably wasn't like 30 minutes into it that my parents realized just how nerdy and boring D and D like really was. And yeah. they just relented and they were like, it's fine. You can play, please just don't ever play here again. Um, 
And yeah. so, yeah, that was pretty much it. So played lots of D and D in, uh, like high school, middle school, and then just other general nerdy stuff, you know, shows and movies. And I had a lot of friends into anime. I never really like took the deep dive into anime. Like I've seen a yeah. few, you know, like things here and there. Um, but honestly, it's just time. Like I don't have enough time to do all of it. So I just, you know, kind of stuck into video games and, um, yeah, that's pretty much been my jam ever since. And board games, you know, much more recently within the last, I don't know, five or six years kind of started really getting into board games, like with Catan and Dominion. And now obviously that's grown into way more involved stuff. What's your like, all right. So, so favorite video game, of all time oh, and then i want to i want to know the same about your favorite board oh, game jeez you know that's an impossible question <laughs> like you know yeah okay favorite series like what's the series you're most you've been man i'm gonna still list a few i can't give you just one uh final all fantasy right, always been a huge fan of final fantasy um yeah. Yeah. Even the new ones? Are you like big into the new yeah. ones? Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I was different. super into final. Yeah. It's different. Like okay. I, you know, six, which was three on the, uh, the SNES. That was my first, I think. Yeah. Um, but I also remember playing like mystic quest. That's one people don't really talk about final fantasy mystic quest for super Nintendo. Yeah, um, no, I don't. It was really different. I don't know uh, much about that one. But yeah, I mean, I, Final Fantasy VI is still probably one of, if not my favorite, Final Fantasy. Um, yeah. So all those tactics, Final Fantasy tactics, like one of my all-time favorite games. That's probably my favorite Final Fantasy, yeah. like related game. Yeah. I don't know. I'm waiting like- and praying and saying so many like hail marys for it to come to Switch. Like, <laughs> yeah, please. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Final Fantasy. As for the new ones, like I, uh, I mean, depending on what you mean by the new ones, like you're probably talking like 13 and 15, maybe. Um, yeah, 13 and up is what I kind of. So 13, I loved. Everybody, like a lot of people, hated it when it first came out. I really enjoyed it. Um, I understood the criticisms about it, especially coming from 12. I mean, Final Fantasy 12 was bananas. I mean, like how big they made that game and how sprawling and like it was wild. Um, Love it. Love 12. So when they went to 13 and it was super linear, um, that's what, that's what pissed everybody off, I think. But I was really drawn to the characters. I thought they did really good characters in that game and I really appreciated their development, their stories. Uh, 15. I loved, I, that's probably the most emotional I've gotten in any final fantasy game. Uh, was 15 because you just got these bros. I mean, these dudes that are like, (laughs) they get, they're so close and they become so close and go through so much. And by the end, you're just romance. Oh man. Like it probably sucks playing through that as a woman though. Maybe you think so? I don't know. Like I, because it's so focused on four dudes. I mean, there's obviously things that are universal and not gender specific, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I've never thought about that before. But yeah, I love Final Fantasies. Recently, and you know this, like From Software is winning my heart with every yeah. game. You know, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, recently, Sekiro. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all in. Like those games are tremendous. What is, this, 
What is it that you love about those games? They're so immersive. They're yeah. butt clenching immersive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because uh-huh. oh, yeah. part of the immersion is in the difficulty because you can't not focus mm-hmm. because if you yep. don't, you're dead. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I totally agree. I think they're, they're um, like part of what makes games great is that feeling of like accomplishment that you get from doing something, um, you know, defeating a boss or like mm-hmm. completing a level or getting the score or whatever. Um, and, and those games just do such a great job of making that feel even more meaningful in this world that also feels like, like level design of in yeah. those games is just superb. Oh, yeah. And uh, so all that kind of just comes together in this perfect. Yeah. Um, if it was like just, dopamine rush. <laughs> yeah. If it was just the difficulty alone, it wouldn't be that immersive, but their world building and the level design, the sound design, like all those things put together it's you completely forget yourself, um, which can be really good, but also could be really bad. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Ashley, <laughs> Ashley, my wife, she always knows, you know, when I'm fighting a boss or something in one of those games, cause it's like the focus is on, you know, <laughs> Yeah. your hands get all sweaty oh, and yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been playing through Sekiro and like, Oh man, <laughs> my, uh, it's so different. This, it is yeah. so different. It's very demanding, which yep. is like super fun, but also like I think sometimes I need a break from those games because it's just like oh, totally. Like especially I remember Bloodborne. At times I remember trying to go to sleep after playing, and mm-hmm. I'm just like jacked up, yeah, with like adrenaline, which you yeah. don't think about some, that being something that happens when we play games. But those games, man, oh yeah, for they sure, get you wound up. Uh, Lately, so, my my recent obsession now is Stellaris, which I think I've talked about in here too. But I was yeah. just playing last night with a friend of mine. We've been playing multiplayer on that. It's basically like you know, if you know the Civilization games, like real time grand strategy um, yeah. in space. So you start off as like this little fledgling empire on your home planet, and then you explore your own solar system, and then you explore other solar systems, and you colonize other planets, and you fight other alien races and try to dominate the galaxy. So just normal stuff. Yeah. You like to dominate I love galaxies. It. Yes. Uh, what, uh, what's your favorite board game? Oof, another not easy one. I mean, well, maybe this is easy. Probably twilight Imperium. Um, the galaxy dominating. Yeah. Again. Yeah. So twilight Imperium, it's essentially Stellaris, the board game. <laughs> There's a theme here. Um, but it's long. I mean, it's infamous in board gaming world as yeah. just being this super long, intense game. I mean, minimum you're looking at five or six hours. The longest game I ever played, I think, was 12 hours. Um, but, you know, it's grand strategy. Yeesh. You play as like an alien race and you're trying to take over planets and dominate your neighbors. And, um, you know, you can approach it lots of different ways. You You don't have to fight a single battle if you don't want to. Um, you can be really political and diplomatic. You can trade a lot. Um, yeah. The the funnest part of that game is the stories that are created every time. Right. You know, and it's always unique because you're playing with different people. You're playing as different races. Um, so I just love those stories that are created. Um, yeah, yeah. But recently, yeah, I think I've stumbled upon how much I really love Scythe. I keep forgetting oh, really? how much I really love Scythe. But I really yeah. do. Yeah, I played it uh, just the other day. We did the m- new modular board. Yeah, me too. 
and it was really fun. Yeah. It was really cool how it sort of forced me to do some things I would normally have done, but I still was able to make it work. Yeah. And dominate the Soviet <laughs> wasteland. <laughs> yeah. So I do love yeah, Scythe. That's, that's a great game. Cool. Well, we want to make sure we delve deeper into the world mm. of Chris Gwiltney. So uh, I know the answer to this, but our listeners don't. Where'd you grow up? Anderson, Indiana. It's basically like Pawnee. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, <laughs> now, what, most what all like? of Indiana yeah. is like, there's, there's a lot of truth uh, about Pawnee, Indiana in parks and recreation. Um, growing up, like I said, super conservative, um, the town yeah. Anderson, I would have loved to see my hometown in like the fifties or the sixties uh-huh. because it was probably raging. Uh, super yeah. industrial town. A lot of times I just explain it like a smaller version of Detroit mm-hmm. uh, because Detroit was obviously like super industrial. And then obviously over the years, that stuff has just yeah. gone by the so way. There were like some big factories or something. That there was. Yeah. Down there. Um, at one point, and somebody told me this and they could have just been making it up. I never actually verified it, but um, we are, my town made a lot of like, tanks and weapons stuff during um world war ii and somebody said that like we were on a list of like one of the priority bombing targets for um like the axis powers or whatever again somebody probably just made that up but it is (laughs) true that we had a lot of factories making a lot of stuff um but as the years went on all that stuff went away and people got laid off. And so now the town is basically just super depressed, um, mm-hmm. literally and figuratively. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, so I guess that didn't affect your parents or did, or did it? Um, ish. Yeah. I mean, well, my mom has worked, um, they're actually both getting ready to retire in like a couple weeks, but oh, my mom mm-hmm. has worked in like medical billing at a hospital okay. for a hundred years. And my dad has been an electrician for the same amount of years. She's that person that sends you the bill that you're like, what in the world? How is this so much? I don't think she sends it, but she's involved in all that stuff. So Medicare and Medicaid and insurance and all that stuff. But she's nice. Yeah. We had a baby almost two years ago, I guess. Not almost. It's 19 months ago. Mm -hmm. Until my son is. Uh, and we got the bill and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. like, like we were really <laughs> frugal about, we weren't at the hospital long. Uh-huh. Like we, we brought our own medicine and stuff <laughs> for my wife because we heard they'll like charge you, they'll charge you like 50 bucks for an aspirin or oh, something, geez. you know? Yep. So like, so we were really frugal and we got the bill and we we're still like, what in the world? Man. Anyway, this whole nother discussion. So your dad is an electrician. Yeah. Uh, so he was, and you said they're both like hard workers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's built into that culture there, you know, like factory yeah. workers, you know, people that work hard with their hands and all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. So that was just hardwired into their DNA. Were you, um, were you close to your mom and dad? Like, I don't know if they'll listen to this, but. Um, <laughs> I yeah. I mean, I had like, yes, ish. Not probably my dad. My dad is, so my dad's a retired Marine 
you know, 30, Mm -hmm. 30 years he was in the Marine Corps, not active duty. I mean, he was reserve for most of that time, Um, but eats, sleeps, breathes Marine Corps. And nearly all the stereotypes you could think of that would come with that is my dad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like super hardcore, very strict, not emotionally expressive. I wouldn't say he's not emotional. I think a lot of people, that's a misnomer, Um, but he doesn't express it. Right. Uh, So you never really know, you know, what's going on there. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we, we butted heads tons, tons, tons Mm -hmm. all growing up. Um, Definitely closer with my mom, you know, mama's boy through and through. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm really grateful for my parents um, I was actually, we were just visiting there a few weeks ago and I was telling them how grateful I was to them for certain things, just ways that they raised us. I mean, they instilled a lot of really good values mm-hmm. into us. Um, and do you think you got like, you took on that hardworking kind of like <laughs> thing? No. Do you have that? No, no. Okay. That was, that was honestly a big part of a uh, reason we butted heads a lot is because I was lazy. Or at least that's yeah. what I was told. Sure. Because um, I don't think of that. I don't think that's true of you now. I still believe it, but <laughs> I think that's just because I have issues. Um, sure. But yeah, I think <laughs> I, uh, I mean, it's something that when you hit your 30s, you start really thinking about these things. But yeah. I, I'm very much a black sheep from my family. Like beyond just my mom and dad and brother, but even like my greater family at large, um, I'm very different. And I know probably a lot of people say that, but it's it's pretty obvious. Um, you know, I just I think differently. I've always kind of acted differently. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not like this. What's a what's an example of how you think differently? Um. Well, I think like a way it, I operate differently is I, I'm i not a uh, a work with your hands, get your hands kind of like dirty and that sure. kind of type. Like yeah. it's kind of a running joke with my wife and I, you know, if something breaks or whatever, like <laughs> I'm just going to pay yeah. someone to do it because I'm just not that right. guy. Right. And for a long time mm-hmm. and even still to this day, like I will feel a lot of like guilt or shame like i'm not a real man or something like that yeah um but thankfully i know that that is i feel that way too false. i'm the same way yeah yeah uh, because and i don't i didn't get that from my my dad wasn't really like a fix it with your hands kind of guy mm-hmm. that's a weird saying <laughs> my dad wasn't like a, a uh he wasn't a handy guy yeah. like he didn't fix all the stuff that broke around our house or car or whatever but I think just like, cause I live in Tennessee, you know, so it's very much the South and, uh, I just think there's that sort of mentality. Like if you're a man around here, you ought to be able to fix things. Totally. And, and so, yeah, I always feel inadequate when something breaks around here and I'm like, it's yeah. so stupid, so stupid to feel that way, but I do. Yeah. No, I, I feel the same. I'm much better with it now. Like I'm, I'm much more secure, I think in my manhood and yeah. don't need that kind of stuff. Um, but no, that was definitely something growing up, you know, that I constantly felt out of place because 
I wasn't into those things. I don't care about cars. I don't care about hunting <laughs> yeah. or any of that kind of stuff. You know, right. I wanted to play D and D and video games and yeah, like be nerdy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what did your parents think? Like when you said you were going to move to California and like work for this organization that, that works with gamers. Yeah. Uh, and so there's kind of two layers to this because, oh, well, there's actually a lot of layers. So, I mean, I, I became a Christian, you know, when I was 15, uh, a friend invited me to youth group and kind of went through the youth group thing and getting ahead. Um, I was going to ask that question. Oh, I'm That's sorry. That's okay. I'm sorry. That's right. No, there's just good. a lot of layers. So, and yeah. Cause because, you mentioned earlier that you didn't grow up. Yeah. You didn't really grow up in the church. Right. So, and so, there, so when that happened, like my parents didn't understand, um, they were supportive, I think as supportive as they could have been. Yeah. Would they have called themselves no, Christians no, because, no, 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 oh, okay. No. Maybe my mom, maybe like she'll yeah. talk about like praying or things like that. Uh, my yeah. dad for sure not, uh, he was raised like very strict Catholic. And uh-huh. that burned him, I think. And so when he was out of the house, he was like, peace. Um, right. But they were, you know, they were as supportive as I think they could have been, um, mm-hmm. being that they weren't really a part of it themselves. Uh, but they didn't like, yeah. you know, forbid me from going to church or any of that kind of stuff. Like right. they were. What kind of, cool. what kind of church was it that you like came? It's the church of God in okay. Anderson, Indiana. So there's a few church of gods. One of them's like a weird snake worshiping church of God. It's not that one. Um, <laughs> it's the other one, I guess. Let's be fair. I don't know about snake worshiping, but snake, there are some snake handling churches. Yeah, I know. Out there. I'm being hyperbolic. But, yeah. Um, so yeah, I did, you know, became a Christian when I was 15. And then when I was 20, there's a lot of stuff that happened in between there, which you can ask about later. Uh, when yeah. I was 20, I moved from Indiana to Arizona to help start a church. And so that was a big deal. Um, My mom especially was like, again, they tried to toe the line. I mean, they tried to be as supportive as possible, but at the same time, especially with my mom feeling like I was abandoning them or I was leaving Mm. them, you know, and it was, it was my faith or God or whatever that was like pulling me away from them. Right. Um, and so definitely for the first few years, they weren't psyched about it, but they also like weren't outright uh, not supportive of it. You know, I think they, there was, there was yeah. tension there and they were trying to deal with it in as good of way as they could have. I think part of them felt like, Oh, it was just a phase that I would like grow out mm-hmm. of or something and come back. Um, right. but you know, seven years went by and I didn't. And then to answer your original question about moving to California to do this like gaming nerd ministry stuff, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I'll never forget because we, uh, we were visiting back home and it was me and Ashley, you know, my wife and I we were sitting in the living room with my mom and my dad. And, you know, I was telling them like, I'm going to be resigning, you know, my position, at the church and um, I'm going to, you know, we're going to move to California and I'm, you know, going to be pursuing this thing. And I was, you know, trying to explain to them like what game church did and all that. And literally my dad 
he just got up, did not say a word. He just got up and went to bed. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> we, it was, I didn't even think it was weird at the time, I guess, which yeah, maybe that just speaks to my issues. I don't know. Um, I mean, it was late. It was like, I mean, my parents go to bed at like nine or 10 o'clock every night and it was kind of late. It was like well past his bedtime. So maybe he's just tired and he just, but I mean, he just got up and like went to bed. And then my mom, I forget exactly how she said it, but it was something like, you know what, Chris, I've just given up believing that you will ever do the normal thing or something to that effect. Yeah. And, but she didn't, I'm, I'm making it sound worse than it was. Like she didn't say it in like a, like a disappointed way. I mean, it was more of like a, haha, Chris is just weird and he's going to do weird stuff <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but that was basically it. Like they, yeah, they're like, oh, has he, oh, has your, another weird thing. <laughs> has your dad like acknowledged that since? Oh, no, no way. Yeah. No. Um, interestingly, this recent visit we just had with them, um, we actually had a really good talk because at one point, well, I'll back up a little bit. So people obviously ask my parents what their kids do and they always have a really hard time explaining to people what I do. Right. (laughs) And so when I was back this time recently, my mom was just like, I don't know how to explain to people what you do. So can you please tell me what you do or like how I could explain it? And so it was kind of nice because they were, you know, like, I mean, mostly her was asking questions and, you know, I was just telling her stuff. And I even got to like share a little bit about, you know, just growing up and how I feel like both they and I missed out on opportunities that we could have interacted over games um, because they just, they hated them. And so it wasn't something that we got to, that could be a part of our relationship, you know? And so I kind of shared that a little bit uh, with them, uh, which was nice, but, but yeah, I think it's still the kind of thing to some degree. Do I think what people in Indiana kind of don't talk about things? Yeah. There's just a real culture of like, I mean, especially with men and this was certainly true for my dad was that you just don't talk about things really like real things. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's just kind of always been a part of that relationship. And my parents were also very like, they're very private people. Um, Mm -hmm. even with us, like growing up, I mean, there were things that I didn't really know and still don't really about my parents or their like lives. I mean, almost every time we visit with them, I learned something new about like their upbringing Mm -hmm. or, you know, their, like, I just learned this last trip, like that they got drunk together one time or something. I forget what it was, but it was just something that was like, what, who, who, (laughs) who are you? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. So, so you, you came to faith, uh, you became a Christian or whatever. And how old were you again? It was in high school. Yeah. I was like 14 or 15, somewhere around there. Okay. And, uh, like you, you started a church. So like, how did you, what was that transition like? Like (laughs) between 15 to 20? 
Yeah, like I want to go into ministry. It was a ride. Um, well, when I, I mean, I think the reason really initially that drew me to to Jesus and to being a Christian was like having purpose. Um, mm-hmm. And because at the time, and I think too, like I've just kind of recently come to this realization that I think one of the reasons I was so into like video games and nerd stuff is because I was really bored with real yeah. life. Like school was boring. I'm not a school person. It's not engaging for me. I'm like a, I, I'm an action oriented person. And so just sitting in classrooms, like learning things from books was just really boring to me. And mm-hmm. so video games and all these other things like told these fantastical, like huge stories that I got to be a part of. And then when I heard about Jesus and this life that I could live today and how that could be a grand story, like that really drew me in. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I got, I got involved with a youth group, um, you know, with the youth group there and pretty quickly, like the, the youth pastor, Mark, he saw something in me for some reason and started really pouring into me and mentoring me, um, as a leader. And, Mm. you know, I also got involved, uh, doing music stuff. Like I started teaching myself how to play guitar and started leading, you know, music stuff in the church. And that became a big part of, of who I was and what I did. Um, but when I hit about 18 or 19, like after high school and started going to college, um, I hit that point that pretty much everyone hits where the rubber really meets the road. You're not in the bubble anymore and you're mm-hmm. on your own and you have to find ways that to be independent. And when it came to my faith, what I learned was that it wasn't really my own. There wasn't a lot of like ownership in that. Um, I just picked and chose things that I saw other people doing and added that to my life. Oh, this dude like plays guitar and sings on stage and that looks really Christian. So I'm going to do that, <laughs> you know, or yeah. this person here oh, yeah, I definitely did like, like speaks that. in this way or uses this kind of language and they're really Christian. So I'm going to do that. And it wasn't, right. it worked, you know, quote worked unquote, uh, but it wasn't yeah. meaningful. And when push came to shove and I was on my own, it was pointless. And so I dropped it Yeah, and, you know, left the church, ghosted everybody and, um, just went, just went my merry way. And this is probably, I was like 19. Wow. And just kind of lived. Like, was this, oh, was this just a, like feeling like you were a hypocrite and like you weren't really in, into it or was it like. Were you literally questioning? Yeah. I mean, I think a the, lot. The whole yes, thing. yes to all of it. Uh, there was also an element of like, I was very disenfranchised with church, like the church, big C church, because to me, it just seemed like, oh, it's all mm-hmm. about numbers or money or converting people or whatever. It didn't feel like real. Um, right. So, so yeah, I just kind of bailed. And it wasn't until, you know, several months later, somebody recommended a book to me called Blue Like Jazz by Donald Miller. Mm-hmm. Did you read that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. a big deal. Like it that was, book. that was his first. Yeah, it was of, for a while. Um, 
you know, big book and it was so somewhat controversial, like, you know, the super conservative people were, you know, bashing on it, but it, it literally like changed the trajectory of my life reading that book. I mean, I read it twice in like two weeks and mm. you know what he talks about. Well, is it that we're kind of running out of time yeah. here, but yeah. What was it that resonated with you the most? Well, what he talks about in that book is he grew up like, you know, really, um, Baptist or Southern Baptist or something. And similar to me, like he just had this borrowed faith. And mm. when he left and went to college, he really met Jesus and really developed a relationship. And so it, yeah, it just helped me to do the same thing and, hmm. um, you know, ended up reconnecting, you know, cool story of like reconnecting with my old youth pastor and he was moving to Arizona to start a church and he invited me to go with him and we did it. That's cool. That's cool that he was, that he wasn't like, no, man, you, <laughs> you, you know, you, you took that break. And so, well, we certainly had some things to work through. Um, sure. but it was something him and I had always talked about. I mean, even when I was in high school, like we would have conversations yeah. in his office about like, you know, starting a church together and yeah. So, yeah, when he asked, it was like, all right, let's do it. I mean, he asked me to do that in like a February. And in May, I went out to visit Arizona. And in August, I moved. So, I mean, it was a pretty quick thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I want to hear more about that. And I want to hear more about like your um, time as a pastor, church leader. So we may have to do a part two to this sometime because uh, we're out of time here. We got Chris and I got another meeting we got to go to, but uh, yeah, this was cool. Thanks for, for letting me uh, grill you. Although I didn't grill you that hard. No, it could have been but, worse. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was fun, yeah. but uh, go rate and review our podcast on iTunes. Uh, go check out our Facebook community to search for love thy nerd community on Facebook. Like us on Facebook, follow us on all the social medias, um, check out our Facebook live shows. We have two of them, Beard Bros, which is, they do board game reviews on Fridays, and then Co-Optional, where they actually stream a board game that was on Beard Bros, and they give it away. So that's really cool. You could get a free copy. We have other podcasts, Free Play, and, uh, and, and The Pull List. So The Pull List is our comic podcast. Free Play gets into all areas of nerd culture. Um, both are great. Go check them out. Go check out Love Thy Nerd for great articles. Um, and, uh, more information about what we what we do if you'd like to go on a trip with us um go check out our outreach page um on the website so go read about that um and um yeah hit us up on social media i'm drew dixon 82 on twitter and instagram uh chris you can find him on twitter Just search for chris gualtney um he's the one with all the love thy nerd stuff uh so there's probably other chris gualtney's but you can find chris i'm sure uh, that's about it for us. We gotta run, but uh, we'll see you again for Humans of Gaming. <laughs>